They say that's the most famous line in the world, you know. You shall sure have got a pretty mouth. And fall down on your knees, town feller. If you've ever done any praying, you better pray now. This uh, hazardous journey that they take, it, it, which becomes very primal, it seemed to me to be a perfect kind of metaphor for, for what's happening between modern urban man and the, and the landscape. It's not a subject that we are easily enthralled with. It took a poet and a really uh, tough filmmaker to take us there the first time. The mountain men who come and, uh, uh, and rape them, or rape one of them, uh, come out of the woods. They, and I, I shot it in such a way that you see these men, they seem to emerge out of the trees. So they're like the malevolent spirit of uh, the forest. And I had a, a, a robust uh, relationship with the census about this issue because I argued that uh, they, were, they were all horrified. This is the first time anything this, this had ever been seen on film. And I argued that we'd seen a lot of women raped and what was the difference? I'm really proud of it because I think it scared the hell out of people, which in essence was what it was meant to do. It was meant to be frightening. And I think it was. You done taken the wrong turn. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 Uh, a couple of movies we've talked about recently that were video on demand only have hit some streaming services. We talked about the South African movie Gaia or Gaia on our eco-unfriendly episode. That is on Hulu right now. And way back earlier this year, we talked about the original Candyman from 1992. Candyman has just hit Shudder. So if you haven't seen either of those, they're on the um, streaming platforms now. This week, Hillbilly Horror. This is one of my favorite subgenres. I don't know what's going on here already right out the... Listen, we can talk about it later. Don't worry about it. Okay. I, don't worry about it. Uh, who is going to do it first? I love... I'm a big fan of this. Anytime you have a bunch of like backwoods, inbred, mm. possum hunting, toothless hopefully mutated and cannibalistic um, folks terrorizing tourists and passers through. I love that stuff. Mm. I think it's maybe like partly being from Maine, I'm very familiar because there are so many different parts of Maine. It's like two or three states, really. And I'm very familiar with that tension and the, the paranoia and the fear of that like culture clash. There are many like places in Maine where... Because you know? I'm not afraid of the hillbillies, really, because I kind of grew up around hillbillies. So, like, I'm yes, yes. So I just watch everyone else be scared, and I feel like a little bit, you know. Yeah, I, I can, I can, I can, that. like, pass in hillbilly world if I, I know how. You know, <laughs> I, I know enough. I can, I can get by with you just order the Budweiser. Yeah, <laughs> I just survived six months in the South. There's things you do. There's things you don't do. There's a way to carry yourself. There's a way to not carry yourself. Um, so we deal with that when we're you know, traveling around the state. Um, the first movie that we're going to talk about, I think of as like the godfather of, you know, everything that has come since. And that would be Deliverance from 1972, 
directed by John Borman, based on the novel by James Dickey, who wrote the screenplay for this with John Borman and has a cameo toward the end of the movie that I think is really great. Um, Dickey, James Dickey could do it all. He could write poetry. He was novelist. He was an actor, um, prodigious drinker, from what I understand. <laughs> this guy could do everything. Um, the four actors in this, John Voight, coming off his um, career-making turn in Midnight Cowboy with Dustin Hoffman was a big deal. Burt Reynolds, this was his first major film. This movie made Burt Reynolds a star. He had done TV pretty much uh, before this. So this put him on the map, and then it was cash cow from there. I don't know if he ever did another serious movie. I was trying to think earlier, like, he never Boogie shaved. Nights. He never shaved. Oh, yeah. Boogie Nights. Boogie yeah. Nights. <laughs> so serious argue, that's pretty silly. His, his first serious movie after Deliverance was the comeback movie when he was Paul Thomas Anderson's John Travolta. Mm. Then he did a serious movie. But between the two, it's all race cars and Lonnie Anderson <laughs> and Dom DeLuise. He had those um, guns. What were they going to do with those guns? <laughs> this, this put him on the map. Ned Beatty uh, and Brian Cox both were like theater actors. This was the first, excuse me? Brian Cox? Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox, Cox I'm yeah. sorry. Um, Beatty was a theater actor for many years, and Cox the same thing, and Borman kind of found them in, like, regional theater. So this movie kind of put everyone on the map and, and solidified Voight. This is about these four guys. They're all, like, middle-class, upper-middle-class, white-collar guys from suburban Atlanta, and they go on this canoe trip out in the wilds of Appalachian, Georgia, up in the northwest part of the state. They uh, run into some trouble with the locals, needless to say, they get a lot more than they bargained for out of this little trip. I love this movie so much. I avoided it for a long time because I actually read the book in high school or shortly thereafter. And I loved the book so much that it was a long time before I could watch the movie because I didn't want to like spoil the book. I'm like, what is it? Something with Burt Reynolds in a wetsuit. I don't know about this, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had to wait until the memories kind of dissipated. And then many years later, I was like, all right, I just remember the key points of this. I can watch the movie Absolutely loved it. I think this gets better every single time. I loved watching it for this week. This is one that's on HBO Max right now. I think you can just like throw this on anytime and just keep appreciating more things about it personally. Uh, big fan of this movie. So this is my first time watching Deliverance. And while I didn't dislike the film, honestly, it wasn't as good as I thought that it was going to be. Had you, not, you hadn't seen it before? I'd never seen it before. I'd only seen clips and I had like, I feel like I had this vision in my head of, of the way that I thought Deliverance would be. Um, I think I just hyped it up too much probably in my own brain uh, for like this horror classic. I thought it would be like more gory. Maybe I was picturing more of like the hills have eyes, hillbilly attack uh, situation. In reality, though, this kind of felt like more of like a psychological kind of a situation as opposed to a slice and dice uh, kind of film, which to say isn't bad, um, but it's just not what I was expecting. Um, of course, there's the the squeal like a pig scene, um, which is the only part that I had ever seen up until now when I watched the whole thing, and that scene was obviously the most horrific of the bunch. You I'm say sure. terrific? Hmm? Did you say terrific? <laughs> I said, the mo sorry, the most terrific of the bunch. Uh, <laughs> after that, it really just kind of focuses on how those men are coping with having killed someone and whether or not they'll be found out and trying to kind of survive and escape 
the southern wilderness so i feel like it was kind of like a more of a um how do we get out of this kind of film which was scary in its own way but it just wasn't the slasher thing i was expecting and while i don't hate a survival action movie i guess i was just expecting and wanting more of like a gore murder situation uh, Bert and John and the gang obviously perform very well in this, and that dueling banjo scene in the beginning is very uh, fun and semi-heartwarming. I was just waiting for it to turn the other leaf. I was waiting for someone to get like a banjo death, you know, like a banjo murder situation. I was holding out for that. It didn't happen, unfortunately. Also, I, I assume the um, the heart... I'll always say it wrong. The Harbinger. I don't know why I can't <laughs> say it. it. That was good. You I said Harbinger. It. The uh, the Harbinger type people kind of like alluded to knowing that they knew that they would be murdered up there. So were they also the baddies? Was kind of what I was curious about. Um, who knows? Maybe you guys have some insight to that. Um, it seemed to be a lot of foreshadowing eeriness also going on, which I appreciated. It kind of hyped me up, got me ready for it. Um, but they probably just should have gone golfing at the end mm, of the day. Yeah, or, Ed yeah. had the right idea yeah. on that. Frisbee um, golf. Yeah. Personally, I hate canoes and have fallen out of a canoe on two separate occasions. Um, so I would never have signed up for this trip. And so please never ask me to do anything like this, you guys. Thank you so much. Well, there goes our uh, plans for next summer. <laughs> yeah, our, camp- our camping episode next summer. I'm, not, I'm getting a paddle boat only. I had not seen this in a long time. Trent, to prove your point wrong that you can just throw this on anytime, maybe in the background, that's how I did this. I was doing work, you know, have a TV in the home office, threw it on. This is a very distracting movie. Sure, yeah. (laughs) For some scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is a lot different than I remembered it, Kat. I will give you that. This is a very slow movie. It has some iconic scenes, but there's really only like, there's the intro where you're getting to know the city boys and see them sort of turn their nose up at the locals. So they're setting the scene. There's sort of getting to the squeal like a pig scene. And then there's... Uh, getting away from that situation and a little bit of Burt Reynolds leg action. And then you you got John Voight climbing a cliff and then you get to the end, which I do appreciate the end that I do appreciate John Borman uh, as the sheriff at the end, sort of being like, oh, you James guys, Dickey, you got, oh, James Dickey. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, you guys are going to get away with this. Uh, you know, don't you ever come back here? Uh, <laughs> all that being said, I think those are like wonderfully shot. This reminded me for some reason of Kubrick. Some of the ways that like that Borman shot this film reminded me of like the shining. Well, like uh, the overwater yeah, uh, copter yeah. shots and stuff like that. But also like the pacing of the scenes, the way that like some of the scenes in The Shining where they drag out a scene in the hotel was almost like how this was being dragged out over in nature. In the beginning, it says like filmed in panovision, which I don't know what that means. But like <laughs> 70s movies have like a look that, yeah. are, that are like, I don't know. I think it has something to do with film and some sort of uh, primitive technology. Yeah, I think uh, I think that Borman caught lightning in a bottle with John Voight, like you said, Trent. I mean, he was coming off Midnight Cowboy. He had won the Academy Award for uh, Coming Home and Burt Reynolds. But this is Ned Beatty's first major role. And then Ronnie Cox, not really sure what Ronnie Cox's history was before Deliverance, but all four of those characters were so wildly different and played so perfectly by each of the actors, but they were super believable as like old friends. 
So sometimes you can mash people together and be like, hey, you got to play the the tough guy. You you, know, you got to play the the sensible guy. You got to play the gullible guy. Ronnie Cox, you got to play the sensitive guy that's going to play banjo with the kid. And it doesn't always work, but this really worked. I thought Deliverance, these four major actors in it absolutely killed it. Uh, the dueling banjo scene is obviously everyone's favorite. If you want to say the squeal like a pig scene is your favorite, you should definitely call better help. Um, <laughs> because dueling, ba- that, that is a timeless scene. And like you said, Kat, like you're waiting for the tension to happen. Like you can tell that these guys are kind of making fun of the locals or at the very least they feel superior. But then there's that sensitive scene where Ronnie Cox is, he's genuinely like engaged with this local boy you know, this local hillbilly playing, you know, he's playing his guitar. He's got the banjo. And I love how like wholesome the scene is, like you said, but then he goes up to like shake the kid's hand and the kid after having this like amazing scene with him just turns away. But why is that? Do you think, does he just not recognize that, or he just knows that he's about to die. So he doesn't want to connect with this person. These are town fellers. They've been making fun of him since the minute they pulled up to the place. And the kid just proved like, Hey, they're enemies. I'm talented. Like, yeah. I wasn't just doing that to, like, have a moment with you. That was almost like a fuck you, anything you can do, I can do better. Okay. That's the way uh, I took it anyway. It hurts my heart a little bit. This is a great example of uh, a thing that I often do, being a bad judge of character, uh, just because you can play music and jam with somebody doesn't mean they got your back. <laughs> You know, uh, doesn't mean they're not going to kill you or whatever. Sure. Um, I thought I I was thinking while I was watching this, like a deliverance, uh, like food delivery would be cool, like on a four wheeler, like no shirt on, dirt, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I have a hot take on deliverance. Okay. First of all, all right. I I love the movie, but one hundred percent, I think these guys were asking for it. Right down to the way Burt Reynolds was dressed with his wetsuit unzipped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, let me let me just roll this through. Pretend this is the trial, and these guys are okay. on trial. Okay, right. and so first of all, Ned Beatty tells a guy he likes the way he wears his hat. So mm. brutal. Uh, and then Burt Reynolds seeks out the Grinder Brothers. Oh, who now Grinder? We all know what that is now. I thought it was the Driver Brothers. Uh, no, the Grinder Brothers. And they need guys to drive them, which oh. could be misconstrued. You know, you got to know what to say. Then he, <laughs> then he offers them, sir, he offers them $20 and he replies $50 to which Bert stares him dead in the eyes and says, $50, my ass. Yeah. When you said it reminded you of some of your own um, ability to get into these situations, that was the scene that I thought of. Like, you would be Martin in that scene, and I would be Ed when when Martin says, like, uh, $50, my ass. And, <laughs> and Ed says to him, don't play games with these people now. Let's go golfing. You'd be like, I, I speak their language because he's speaking in his, right. like, southern drawl. Did you notice that Martin, like, he picks up his accent when he's talking to oh, the I locals? I notice that. It's kind of pandering. Martin? Burt Reynolds' character, yeah, Martin. Oh, I thought his name was Lewis. Well, his last well, name is Lewis, right? Oh. Oh, it's Lewis Martin. Oh, fuck. Oh, well, I, I oh, liked uh, the characters in this. Like, I think the characters drive the whole thing. Um, 
like that group of friends like i have like a friend equivalent of every single one of those like it was a very believable dynamic between the actors and they all killed it they seemed like they had been friends for years and um ned Beatty slayed this ned Beatty was so good in this movie especially after he was raped like his reactions to things uh you could tell that he was changed and he had very little like speaking roles or anything after that point uh it was just his facial reactions and they were completely amazing so much that i went and looked in his wikipedia to try to find out what else he's been in it's been like really oh, everything well everything but nothing stuff. but he's like always just some like he's never a leading man yeah 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 the only thing i didn't love um sometimes was the soundtrack there was uh moments in the movie when they were like floating down the river or they would show the the hillbilly up on the bridge as they were floating by i thought that could have done with like no music and if there was no music it would have been great it almost had like this jaws thing where it was the music was a little too happy and like they were doing like the banjo like you could tell they hired some like shredders to play you know acoustic guitar and banjo together um, but I did like when John Voigt falls down the cliff, uh, you just hear a banjo and it must've been like four guys or five guys, however many strings a banjo has detuning the banjo <laughs> all at the same time. And that was the soundtrack to him falling down the, the cliff. It was just like, <laughs> and I liked that part a lot, but I loved the deliverance. I had the, the same experience as you is like, I had it super hyped up and I hadn't seen it. Um, like when I first saw it, it was probably like six years ago. Like I had gone so long without seeing this movie and then I saw it and I was like, this better be legendary. And I actually loved it. And I thought it was, it's near perfect movie for me. Oh, one more thing. One more thing. Oh. It reminded me of Eden Lake. Yes, very much. Yeah. yeah. Because of the development and the uh, yeah. classism they're See, coming in. Oh, Guys yeah. are classism. coming in. Classism. Yeah. So oh. you have these people already defensive because- People are coming in and they're to renovating and their town. Yeah, exactly. They're quote unquote, rape this land is what right. uh, Lewis says in the beginning. Yeah. And, and that goes back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's like a- Lots of movies that we watch have the yeah. same. You take it out of Appalachia, even like Offspring is in Maine and Texas Chainsaw. This is a theme that goes way beyond like quote unquote, and hillbilly. I, I, and I feel like there's a message underlying that is actually cheering- for the underdog in a way or showing but it's you know no one would ever think of leatherface as an underdog or you know the hillbillies and this is the underdog but uh, i think it says a lot that people are driven to the point where their a human life does not matter to them i i do have a problem with the end of this movie because i think you could look at it now and it's very very topical in that the city boys that I, I, I guess these locals are viewing as the same people that are coming to literally turn their town into a lake got away with it. Oh, yeah. It's so like there's no, yeah, hey, you can get away with whatever. No, it's like it's like the end of American Psycho where it's like well, no matter what he does, he can't get caught because he's so, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if like, you know, they're maybe not, you know, they're, they think that they're superior to the locals and they do, they are pretty open about like laughing at themselves. Yeah. They're, and I forgot how insufferable 
uh, Burt Reynolds' character, Lewis. It is, I don't know where I got Martin. It's Lewis Medlock. I he's, made up Martin like on the way here or something. <laughs> I, I forgot. He's no good. There's a scene where he's, after they get through some of the particularly uh, crazy rapids, and they're like, oh man, that was so exciting, you know? And he like lights a cigar and he like starts pontificating about, you don't beat the river. And Ned Beatty, Ned Beatty does this like the most subtle eye roll I've ever seen. It's so subtle. He doesn't really roll the eyes, but he just kind of does. And he turns around, turns his back to him like, okay, this guy. Anyway, you know, it's great. Yeah. Well, and the way that Burt Reynolds is driving the fucking Jeep at the beginning. Oh, that was like, real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did all their own stunts. I think I read yeah. that like there's How one not be John Voight thing, maybe down the river or maybe the cliff thing. Um, but like Burt Reynolds broke his ass at one point. I mean, his there, was, ass? there was his butt. He, he fractured his butt. his butt, would you say? Tailbone. Yeah. His tailbone. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just the fact Burt Reynolds, the arrogance of his character <laughs> so bad. is just astronomical in that you're like well he's gonna get fucked in some way and he does like it's just like him at the gas station just like being all like zipped down in his little wetsuit just like being like i'm burt reynolds he thinks he's sean connery in like thunderbolt or something and the funny thing is it's like oh sean connery did this i'm like no this was burt reynolds this wasn't fucking sean connery but yeah, and then he's like riding, he's like, I can find the lake myself. Let the locals find the lake for you. I don't know. You just paid them $40. And then when shit actually goes down, he breaks his leg immediately. Yeah. And, and he's, he's out. just like, he's out. Yes, yeah. I loved that. They like, can't rely on that. The big, the who would become this huge star, and this is his breakout role, and he's playing the tough guy, the most machismo, the leader, the alpha of the gang. I loved that. Then halfway through the movie, oh, compound oh. fracture. Sorry, buddy. You're going to lay on a rock and cry for the rest <laughs> oh, of the movie. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> expecting the crying to happen. And honestly, that was really was nice for good. me. It was he very was like good. crying with his, with his little chapped lips. He's like, oh, <laughs> so so and I'm chapped. like, yeah, that's right. You cry for me. But Bert to Reynolds. Dave's point, that's what like really made this a great chance for Ned Beatty, because the whole squeal like a pig scene happens. Burt Reynolds comes and saves the day, or I guess whichever way you want to look at it. And then you're like, "All right, it's Burt from here on out. Here we go." I like, would say he saved the day. I don't the think there's to any Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> no, you guys are talking about whether these these fellas, these town fellers, deserved it. That was the the one thing. And we'll, the next movie we're going to talk about does the same thing. There's the whole debate about what you know. They've just killed a man, and all of this. Uh, the man was raping everyone no. and certainly about to kill yeah. them. He obviously was going to kill them. I don't think there's any... I wish that had... If they were going to do this like moral question, I feel like it could have been a little more ambiguous. I mean, they had to they had to kill him or they were going to die. At the very least, they've already been assaulted. Like, I would just leave him there, get down to the bottom of the river. Yeah, we killed this guy. He was raping everyone. Yes. Uh, well, what happens when you get yeah. into hillbilly territory is people govern themselves. There's like one sheriff in town or one county or whatever. Or, yes. you know, so. And they show people, that in the movie because that, that's what Lewis says. Like, I don't want to end up yeah. going to jury trial and this guy's mama and daddy and granddaddy, they're all on the jury. And then later in the movie, you find out that one of the sheriff's deputies is actually related to the toothless guy. But I wouldn't say that they were concerned about this one in particular. I mean, they were at first, but then you go into John Voight's character and he's concerned about the guy that he thought maybe was the other guy. But there's really no telling, quote unquote, whether or not it was him. And he's I think that's the person that he's the most struggling with. Right. Is because 
he thinks it might have been the other guy because he did have false teeth I in. I think that was the proof. And it was I like the whole was. thing. Yeah. And it was, but like it's that weird like struggle between. Either way, definitely the first guy should have died. But I do understand where they're coming from, where it's like, well, if you look at the autopsy, it, he was shot in the back. So how do you like right. prove right. Uh, self-defense if you've shot someone with an arrow in the back kind of a situation? Yeah, but back then, you know, like forensics are so, you know, lacking that you can just make up some cockamamie story and be like, <laughs> sure. oh, he fell on his Maybe. arrow. I don't uh, know on, what happened. On both sides of it, though. <laughs> yeah. so, can the, so can the justice, the quote-unquote exactly. justice system. So can they. We, we were just minding our own business. These uh, town fellers came in and started causing trouble and- you know, Mon Pa are on the jury. That was kind so of so. If that thing. was us and we're camping, mm. do you guys think we, do? Uh, we call the cops, or do you think we would go their style? I, I feel strongly we le- we get out of there. First of all, the whole time they're debating, the toothless guy could have gone back and gotten ten more people with guns. Yeah. As soon as they killed him, I would have been back in the canoe, down the river, call the cops. This Here's is what the thing, happened. Though. Come Snip clean. the arrow out. Snip the arrow out. Take the arrow. That's evidence. They can match the arrows to our arrows. So we take that with us, and then we're out of there. You're not coming clean, then. Nice. You're not what? reporting it when you get to the bottom of the river. Of you're course not. No, no, of I course Kevin, not. Kevin's calling the police. Are you calling the police? Are you I'm the call- weak I link, am. Kevin? Are you calling the police? Are Am you I gonna- the weak link? Are you? No, are you I'm just You haven't spoken up. I'm reporting it. You're reporting it? Yes. You're reporting it. I'm smart listen. I'm actively listening before I just spout That means we get to kill them, too. I'm listening to your logic, and I'm going to say, I'm with Trent. Yeah, we get to kill them, too, Kat. Okay. This guy just raped our friend. Yeah. And this guy was holding a gun on our other friend as he was about to get raped. And we he was holding a gun on him. Mm. So, yeah, I shot him with an arrow. And they had cut him. They had practically yeah. strangled him up. I mean, this is a self-defense if there okay, ever was we're one. Thinking, we're not thinking here. like we're watching forensic files right now. Okay. We're thinking back in the 1970s. They can't prove either way. It. Me and Dave have it in the right right now. No, we're going to no. cut our losses and exactly. flee. And no one's ever going to find us. No, you, yes. you get you got to get as fast as you can to the bottom of this river and and turn yourselves in and tell them everything that happened, Bad and idea. that's your best hope to get out of this. Well, because if you don't, next thing you know, you got another body. Oh, then you got another body. Now, now you got yeah, a whole web you, of lies. Okay. Now you're one of those you bodies. Just gotten out of there. What you're is one this? of those bodies now? <laughs> is this the Netflix show? You. So, did you guys like the idea of the like a, a grub hub kind of thing, like Deliverance, and you just come on a four wheeler and you're just like. You order, you order the ham. <laughs> who who are the shepherd's pie? <laughs> and you just deliver food like <laughs> you'd have to be as good as the locals in Deliverance. I love their the language, like the patois. It's so convincing. Like what the fuck? Did but they you were just actually. Say? But they were locals. Yes, were they, they those really? were not actors. Those you, were people. Most of them were. Were yeah. their teeth really rotten? The guy that was dancing and dueling banjos that was not scripted. He literally just like yeah. when Trent, before we started recording. When Trent was like that, ah, he just couldn't help it. Can't stop, won't stop. Like he did that. The kid, the skiffle, the kid scene. that was playing banjo, Billy Redden. He couldn't play banjo. So what they they had a kid that could play banjo sitting behind him. It yes. was very convincing and doing all of like the all yeah of the that fingering. was like a oh really fake out fake arms oh he was fingering him oh, a- oh this is even worse than <laughs> no, I thought it's a little different oh. out there <laughs> squeal like a pig no it's like oh a- by the way I have a I I'm not promoting because it's going to be over by the time this episode comes out but I have a gig. Uh, this weekend at a place called the Thirsty Pig, and instead of applause, I'm going to make the whole crowd squeal like a pig. <laughs> squeal like a pig. <laughs> uh, but uh, the soundtrack, 
I keep trying to get back to yes. this because you had a problem with it. It's very sparse music, but it's it's the making of this movie has been debated by a lot of people. Like Borman has different recollections. Dickie has different re- uh, recollection. Uh, according to you know Dickie, he had a fight with Borman. I think because you said Trent that Dickie was quite the drinker. And he would legend, show up on legend set. has it he would go to, he would go to town get drunk and say they're ruining my book and go back to the set and cause trouble yeah and he got thrown <laughs> off set but then apparently in in the end uh he and borman became like super close friends but according to some people that report in this movie when they were trying to score it borman was super unhappy with everything that was happening so what he did dave to your point is he was like dueling banjos is the soundtrack to this movie. So he went and hired a couple guys and went and cut all of the banjo and guitar stuff in four hours and said, just fucking use it. Yeah, there's actually there's an interview with Borman from 2017. If you just search The Guardian, How We Made Deliverance, and he talks about the soundtrack. He had a budget. He had a whole uh, soundtrack budget in mind, but when they couldn't get people like Jack Nicholson and Warren Beatty, there were a bunch of people that were maybe going to star in this, but the studio wouldn't pay for the biggest stars. And then by the same token, they didn't really want to put as much money into it now that you had more unproven people. So the, the, the budget for the score got slashed. And so he just was like, all right, I'll just hire a guitar player and a banjo player. And that's yep. the move. That's the whole score. Some people <laughs> well, dispute that, but, but I believe it by listen- his recollection. I believe it listening to it and with Dave, I mean, not even close to Dave's ear, but I, there were times where I was like, it's really odd that like, there's no music happening here or it's just like a little like synth pad or something. Well, I, and I, then there'd be like really aggressive banjo music. Yeah. Like, I didn't like it that they went with the banjo and acoustic guitar the whole time. I would have rather huh, had I like that. really. Yeah. I, I would have rather had some like I thought the whole movie was very unsettling, and I thought that if there was like suspenseful music, uh, it would have made it even more like edge of your seat kind of thing. Like or even like a trashy like my favorite soundtrack uh, thing that anyone ever does is in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it's just hitting a splash cymbal, which is like the worst cymbal. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, thank you. <laughs> good drummers ever use them, but it's just like. And it's just like it's like the firecrackers in in Boogie Nights. It's a, the scene where he's like the kids lighting off the firecrackers when the scene's getting tense, and it's like that is the soundtrack, you know, just like a jarring thing. I wish that this had that in it. Well, to the budget, another thing that Borman said in that Guardian interview is that the, one of the guys from the studio said to him, "No movie that has no woman in it has ever made money in history." They well, were like two women upset there. that there were no women in this. There's two women. Uh, sure, at the very end, there's uh, John, well, no, well, there's John, tons of them. Uh, there. Ed's wife. Yeah, there's tons of them. Then, but before that, there's uh, like a really weird-looking girl in a bed, like a disturbing-looking little yeah. girl, and what? then there was a, a yeah. lady. When he looks in on when they're oh. investigating, <laughs> okay, to but there's get, no, yeah, there are no women characters. No, this is no, not right, past right, the Bechdel test. Absolutely <laughs> no. not. What was the other yeah, movie? I was trying sure. to remember the other movie we watched on the podcast that had no women. The in thing. It. The thing, thing, right? They made this for two million. It made forty-six million. That'd be three hundred million today. Um, Billy Redden, the fake banjo player, would go on to do more movies after this. He did a movie called Blast Fighter in nineteen eighty-four, uh, uncredited. He played a guy playing banjo. But then after that, uh, he kind of broke out. He was in the Tim Burton movie Big Fish. In uh, 2003, mm-hmm. where he played uh, banjo guy, <laughs> and then um, even Thank even you. going even further from there, he was in a movie just in 2009 called Outrage. Nice. In that one, 
He played a banjo. Oh guy. So, no! Right. <laughs> he did uh, four other banjo movies after this. You know, but I, he I, can't I, even play the banjo. No, I know that's but he can't so even weird. play it. Can somebody, it was someone else. Can somebody call the Guinness Book of World Records. Oh my I god! I think we've missed an entry here. Yeah, most well, banjo know, appearances by a guy who can't play banjo. Yeah, you know, that's fine. That's a fine typecast because I always watch movies and think, like, all right, this is a person that always plays a rapist in a movie. Like, people just look at this guy's face, and they're like, oh, you definitely rape people in prison. And that's your face, and you're going to live with it. Even if you're, a, you know, you know, a regular person, you're not a rapist or a monster or whatever. Well, there's a bunch of stuff on YouTube about this now, because the 40th anniversary was 2012. I can't believe this movie is almost 50 years old, basically... 50 years old. To me, it's really not that dated. It's so beautiful when you're watching it. It's so beautifully shot. Yeah, I, I really, that panel vision really works. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of interviews with the cast and stuff that they all came together and did promotional stuff for the anniversary. And they talk about the, the toothless shotgun guy, that he was a local that Burt Reynolds knew from like met him at uh, doing the Gunsmoke TV show mm. and talked to him into coming down. The guy couldn't read or write. And uh, so they would just give him the lines and he said a couple and they just hired him on the spot. There's a great interview with Ned Beatty where he points out something that I would never have noticed when Ed is climbing the rock wall, Jean Voigt, which he apparently really actually climbed. I guess there really wasn't much trickery involved in that. He fell off it at one point and had to catch him. But when he gets to the top, there's a close up of him and, and his watch is all fogged up. You can't see what time it is because the watch has been in the water that was just like a little stamp of how real this movie was. They really pretty much did all that stuff from what I can tell. Did anyone notice a scene right after the one you're talking about where it was nighttime, he's on the mountain, and it was like like the version I watched, it was insanely saturated, and you, like, you couldn't see part of his face. Yeah, For yeah. just like one moment, uh, the movie was like very low quality. Yeah, I, I know did what, notice that. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Really weird. That. Yeah, no, I didn't notice that. It was like his nose was cut off because they were like doing some sort of effect or something. I don't know what it was, but it was like some really super saturated, uh, weird nighttime shot. But I thought it was random. I would have like omitted that from <laughs> the final one because it wasn't even that necessary. It's really interesting to me that John Borman did this movie in 1972. He would also do Excalibur in 1981. It's also considered a classic. Wow, that was a classic to begin with. Though. But I never knew that he did in 1977 The Exorcist 2, which is considered oh, one right. of the worst mm. movies ever made. Yeah. Oh. It's on HBO Max right now as well, if you want to uh, give it a spin. I started uh, eight, uh, Exorcist 3 the other night. Oh, great movie. Yeah, you know what's interesting about Exorcist 3 is Stephen Dorff is in it, and his name is spelled incorrectly in the credits. Really? Because I watched The Gate right after. <laughs> <laughs> that was Halloween night. <laughs> My granddad was a minor, but he finally saw the light. He didn't have much, just a beat-up truck and a dream about a better life. Grandmama cried when she whipped the bag and never heard such a lonesome sound. Pretty soon the dirt road turned into blacktop Detroit City bound. Cecil's gone dumb. He ate the lead paint on the mailbox. 
can't smell gasoline no more. You done taken a wrong turn. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, The movie I picked uh, is the remake of Wrong Turn uh, from this year, 2021. Or it's 2020. No, it was this year. Is this year? It seems like longer ago, but yeah. It was supposed to right. come out last. I think it maybe came out festivals last year. Well, I've I've hated the whole Wrong Turn series. Uh, I wasn't into the original. And so this is a movie that I went into with very low expectations. And I watched it, and I was very surprised by how much I liked it. Um, it's directed by, uh, I'll try to pronounce this correctly, Mike P. Nelson. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's it's a story. It's it's the same story as the last movie. Uh, it's uh, city slickers go into the woods and uh, they run into the locals and they don't heed the advice of the harbinger. And they uh, they go into the woods and it's on the uh, the Appalachian Trail uh, again. And, um, they basically, uh, th- there's some spoilers that I'm not going to give away cause it's a, it's a newer movie. Um, but, um, it, in a way, um, it, it reminded me of that movie Pilgrim that we watched. I think that was a Thanksgiving thing. Yeah, a little bit. Sure. Okay. Um, okay. TV, it was like, TV quality. Okay. Yeah. I see yeah. That. Well, yeah. You guys, you guys diss on the quality. Um, I'm not dissing but, the quality. I was agreeing with you but, and not Trent's comment. Uh, but I, but I, but I liked this movie a lot. Um, I thought that it does the thing that I really like. Well, the first kill scene is one of my favorite in the last few years. There's a dislocated jaw Ugh. from a, a log that Ugh. comes down, uh, tumbling down the mountain, and then you know you have random people behind trees, and you have these very elaborate uh, like you can tell these people have been living in the wilderness for a long time. They've donned these outfits and this language. And Matthew Modine uh, is basically searching for his daughter. They had gone on this trip and it goes back and forth between somewhat present time. And when his daughter first embarked on this adventure with her friends um, and you kind of see both stories kind of go together and then they end up, at the end um so uh i love this movie uh i don't think uh that trent liked it very much but let's see what he has to say i I didn't i think this is a a very interesting movie Mm. to me um it sent me first of all it sent me down the whole i have now seen all seven wrong turn movies this is number seven in the wrong turn franchise and it is a complete reboot they decided to, um, well, part six was supposed to be a reboot. So this is the second reboot of, there There have been a couple wow, prequels. I didn't know that. Yeah, but part six, which I love, actually. Well, you recommended it. Very and, good. But you yeah. had to like rent it for money. And I was like, wow. Yeah, he's like, it, it's rental. Yeah, I know. Can't, I can't believe you, you have to pay for problem, it. But, you got a problem, You got a problem. We'll get to that. But, um, you know, I didn't hate this movie. I didn't love it. I think it's very interesting. They tried to do something totally different to me. The, the main thing that I was disappointed by is that it's not really a wrong turn movie. There's no hillbillies, first of all. Instead yeah. of, and I don't know if like it's to heighten the, the moral and ethical dilemma because the same conversation happens in this movie almost word for word that happens in Deliverance. 
where once they've kind of fought back, now the question is, what do they do? How will it look? Will they... Will it be self-defense, which, again, is totally ridiculous. They've got this guy hooked up uh, to a pole like he's going about to be spit-roasted like a pig. They've already dragged him underground in a foot trap. I mean, this is very clear self-defense. Anyway, instead of the traditional, you know, backwoods Appalachian folk, this is in West Virginia, they try to do this thing where um, it's some kind of, like, <laughs> tribe from, like, um, Eastern Europe or something. They're, like, descendant from the very first... Uh, wave of people coming to America from Europe, and thought they it all, was like the 1800s, like founding fathers. I don't know that. To me, that I don't know. It's back then, but they all they have <laughs> it's back they, then. It's back then, but they all have like this weird Eastern European accent. It's so weird. They all. It sounds like a and hostel or something. Yeah, and then like the leader is well spoken. He has a nice haircut. He has a vocabulary. Like it's not hillbilly at all. Um, and then I thought the middle part I'd say upper upper echelon hillbilly. These guys are very top they're of the hill yeah. people. They're yeah, they're not they're, they're living off the land. I'm they're hill sophisticated. People. This this is a very sophisticated That's tribe. That's the problem is you think the hillbillies are not sophisticated. That That's may, why you're yes. going to get us killed. Mm. My own, it's my own. Um, the, the costumes were great. Um, <laughs> it just this isn't really a wrong turn movie. I I didn't like the way they tried to change that. You're in West Virginia. You're out in Appalachia. All you need is just bring in the damn hillbillies and do a little bit better than Wrong Turn 6. Oh. And you're in business. I didn't need this whole the thing about the clan, the founders, it's called, and your weird accents and the haircuts and all this. I, um, I appreciate that you say that you might have liked this movie better with a different title. Yeah, if you had just called it something else, like The Founders or something. The Foundation. I, the Foundation, yes. The Foundation. That's the name of the clan. Um, mm. If you had just done that, instead of trying to do a wrong turn reboot, I mean, I don't know where you would go from this, although I did love the end. The last, like, five or six minutes is the best part oh. of this whole movie. Yep. Love that. Yep. It's very interesting. Um, I have many more things to say about this, but I think that's enough for now. Okay. Well, see, this was more of the uh, hillbilly slasher uh, shit that I thought Deliverance uh, was going to be. So I was happy to watch this one. Um, just hill people fucking up city folk. That's all mm. I wanted for this week. Uh, while I think both films were good in separate ways, uh, this one definitely scratched my gory murder itch for sure. Mm. As opposed uh, to the Eliza Dushku, uh, bless up, love you so much, Eliza. Um, this had a fun little culty aspect going on in the Wrong Turn franchise, which I appreciated. And honestly, I thought this remake was way better than the OG oh, because go. of that. Wow. Brit, brit, brit. <sighs> because, but you know, again, maybe it's because of different uh, genres It's they're falling into. I'm not trying to cause any strife Did you say in this. Different huh? genres? What? Different? No. Different. different genres. I you said dick print. Why would I say dick print genres? You've said stranger. Well, thank you so much. Harbinger. 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 It felt like it had a little bit more depth and a little bit more backstory going on as opposed to the original uh, wrong turn. Um, it supplemented the plot as opposed to just, you know, a blood and guts 
kind of a hillbilly slasher situation. Um, I liked the aspect of the redneck town actually fighting against and hating the murderous people that lived in the woods. And it also was like a good uh, representation of classism towards the country folk that we usually see in these films. Um, The city folk judging and being dicks always to the people of the town and usually being, you know, right about them. But in this one, you were just kind of like, yeah, see, don't be a dick to these people. Maybe they'll fucking be your bros later on. We don't know. They were going to spit roast him. Hey, I don't understand. No, they weren't. You... Not those ones. No, no I'm talking, talking about the people about the in the town. Not the foundation. Oh, 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 the okay. Not the foundation. Right, I'm talking right, about the right. townspeople okay, that are like, yeah, gotcha. no, they suck. Major donkey balls. Yeah. And we want to help you against them. Uh, but let's get to the best part, which is the gore. Absolutely in this one. Uh, so much stabbing. Oh, just that girl just stabbing so many people. All the time. Yeah. I loved it. Um, We had a fucked up uh, smushed head also, which we talked about before. 10 out of 10. Loved that. Uh, That smushed head will haunt me for a little while, um, just with the teeth and like the eyes. Yeah. Dave's doing it. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, And then um, also a a lot of impaling. Also, just to like cherry on top of, of the gore situation for sure. Um, and then there's the ending, which might be one of my one of the most satisfying endings that I think I've seen in a really long time in a horror movie. I loved it. It's ro- like it stopped. <laughs> I definitely exclaimed when it happened. When the ending happened, I'm like, "Are you kidding me? That was the end!" And then yeah. the credits started to roll, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, oh, okay." That is okay. really great. Yeah, yes. I love that. So that was nice because I was definitely upset when the movie ended. And then it continued, so that was very nice for me. Um, so as much as I thought I was going to hate this movie, because it wasn't my beloved uh, Eliza Dushku um, wrong turn situation, I really didn't. And it was honestly a very enjoyable slasher movie. And I oh, am excited. Slasher, though. It was some slashies. Uh, Sorry, sl- not I mean, a slasher. slashed, but I wouldn't call it a slasher because a slasher is like one person. Yes, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It was mm. a good hill. I, I would say it, it held up in its gory woods people movie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to immediately debunk one of Kat's comments. Great. Please, please. Can't wait um, for this. More backstory. No. What? What? It's, it's incomprehensible. It's it's inconceivable. The, the, the city what? slickers are like such thinly charactered, like millennials. Oh, it's, shots fired! It's, I didn't it's mean it's so horrible. Oh wait! And the the backstory of the foundation is they discover an old graveyard and and get like the date or whatever and the twelve families or whatever. What? Yeah, <laughs> and like the backstory of the town. And they're fighting or dealing with the foundation. Like, uh, no. Can you fix your forehead? You're going to get mad wrinkles from like that condescending sorry. posture that you're doing with your face. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's no, it's, no. He, Kevin, they have a whole, they don't just have like some tents. They have a whole city just off the trail. I'm glad There's I at least got Cowdy because you two are just going to be hating. What? I'm not. I'm not. Here's the thing. I've watched this movie a number of times. We've all had side conversations about this. Dave, you've been like persistent, like, nope, it's good. Solid. 
It's not solid. Here's the thing. I would love this movie <laughs> if it, it was, was solid. God damn it. <laughs> I would love this movie solid. if it was the first third cut out everything to do with the foundation. Give me that fucking beautiful ending. That is one of the best. It is great. It's it almost great like a ending. fourth act at this point. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. I would love it. All the foundation stuff is so fucking cheesy. It's mm. so bad. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the costumes when they're in the woods and stuff and like the logs falling and people are coming out, out of the ground and shit was like, yes. And when Trent, like you said, they have the guy like fucking hogtied and two of these crazy like horned oh i'm sorry i don't mean to be prejudiced but you just you trapped a guy you dragged him underground you hogtied him to you're taking him to a spittoon i I mean what's going (laughs) on all that all that yeah all that is super super scary it's great but as soon as they get to like the foundations campsite or village or whatever the hell you want to call it which seems to be a little too close off the appalachian it's a whole trail. town it's a whole ass town there's a cobbler there's like, like stores <laughs> there's like <laughs> nobody's nobody stumbled across this before but the costumes get really cheesy like as soon as so let's let's get into how many people we know in this movie as soon as damien Maffey from haunt our homie best part of the movie he shows up we talked to him once um we talked friend to him of the show. he's a friend of the show but also you guys know who like the other guy is that plays that plays uh, Hobbs. No, no clue. He was the ghost from Haunt. My favorite oh, character. He was in Haunt oh, too. he was in Haunt too. Oh, he was in Haunt too. A no ton. Kidding. We'll get it. A ton of people from ah. Haunt were involved in this. Okay, um, makes sense. I'm surprised we haven't talked about Haunt yet. That's such a we, great movie. We did. Yeah, we did on the mask mask up episode. <laughs> so. But as soon as they get to the Foundation Village, the costumes get really kind of like cheesy, like a little bit too like Viking Your costume's and cheesy, like bro. Yeah, sorry. Viking. Yeah, what are you wearing? yeah. No, you're wearing you're a right. Blink One Eighty Two sweatshirt. Sorry. Let him finish <laughs> his tape. Go on, sir. I'm, I'm defensive. Please like talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it's like some cheesy period piece or something now. Like exactly. Oh, the fryer and the, the fryer costumes are coming out. <laughs> and look, Bill Sage, the leader of the Foundation, who goes by Venable. Which apparently, like in in late Latin, means hunting grounds. Um, do you guys recognize Bill Sage from no. a movie we just talked about? Nope. Mm, no. American Psycho. He was Van Patten. Whoa! Oh, wow. Ah, uh, but also Bill Sage is from We Are What We Are. Ooh, that's a great. But look, I enjoyed this movie. I love Charlotte Vega, who plays Jen, who is basically our our final girl yeah she's great um think that she was fantastic love matthew modine Uh, a lot of reviews i read had a lot of problems with like it jumping back and forth because basically when these kids go missing matthew modine is jen's father and he is looking for her he is on the hunt not sure where these other kids parents are but matthew modine apparently was the only parent that cared about his child in this movie right yeah uh the only person looking for a crew of six who disappeared (laughs) exactly well i mean you can't show everybody Well, you just show one person's story. Small you guys are expecting yeah, I, a little. They kind of notice everybody that comes in as they make very clear. Um, I, I I love that stuff. I love the flashbacks, like the going from here are the kids. Here's here's dad looking for Jen. Here's the kids and what's going on. I loved all of it. It literally except that one like forty minute section of the movie, which this movie is also too fucking long. Yeah. That section Solid of the movie two hours. ruined it. I honestly would have rather that they gave us absolutely no idea who took them. Cut out the whole weird 
torches and fucking bearskin and here's our town like find a way to like subtly hint at it and then show Modine finding it finding Jen and them escaping and then give me that like brilliant fourth act I don't know I, I have a lot to say about this movie but that I mean that's that's my hot take it just I'm, I'm surprised that this was written by Alan McElroy who Writer did the, the original the original one that he would go back and take a very simple like concept like the original wrong turn which I love that movie me too it's great I, it. I think Big that fan. movie's fantastic it's nothing to do with the lies I haven't seen it I haven't seen hey, it hey it's, oh, it's, it's great. great I've great. seen it but I haven't I love seen it for a while um, but I'm surprised he'd go back and try to cram so much stuff. This would have been better as like a streaming service, eight to ten episode miniseries. Well, you said it was too long. Now you want a miniseries. Man. If you're going to make that. me watch something like that, if you're going to want to cram that much in and you don't want to give it to me in 90 minutes and cut out all the stuff I just said my, I hated. My yes man like, wants to say something. Give me actual... <laughs> Give me actual backstory or like lead ups. Don't cut it like a music video like they did. Got it. A music video? Let's hear from the defense. It's Cat's turn. Wrong turn, bro. Wrong turn. Uh, it's her turn. <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking. So to defend the statement of which I said there was more backstory in this one. Absolutely there was more backstory in this one as opposed to the fucking original wrong turn. For sure. Because in the first wrong turn, she's just like, everyone's just like rolling around the woods being annihilated by hillbillies for sure. But in this one, you get a whole cult situation. You get people assimilating to said cult to save themselves. This is not backstory. This is literally things happening in real time in the movie. She means that the foundation has a backstory. They're not just random hillbillies right. with that. Sure. There's a whole story about them. Now, I thought it was just pointless gobbledygook, and I would Lucky. rather they had just been hillbillies with knives. You know? Yeah. So <laughs> I would cede that point, but I don't think that point helps. I'm not saying it helps. I'm just saying there's more depth to this said plot than it's supposed to just fucking people murdering people in the hills of Virginia. Fair. Fair. I will give you that. I will say say they did not execute it well. They presented you with a whole bunch of things they could have delved into. Sure. To make it seem. I think where we disagree is it seems like it's more in depth. They never actually go that deep. It just was, I mean... Whatever it just was, and they try to like cram all this whatever, um, all these like ethical social questions in there. Like I love when they're on trial, the the kids are on trial now in one of the caves of the founders, and they're you. It's very heavy handed. It like hits you over the head of this whole thing. Like you just assumed the worst in us again. Yeah, you have booby traps for human beings. I'm going to assume the worst when you like booby trap my friend and then tie him to a pole and carry him through the woods like a pig. The uh, I'm going to assume the worst. What about the scene where they gouge out people's eyes? They didn't show it though. The that darkness. Was a thing. They pulled the back. That's yeah, they didn't have. You've been yeah, sentenced to yeah, the darkness. But then you find them that. at the end. They showed it from behind. So, so as far as remakes go, that's the there. thing. That's the thing is, if you had shown me the scene when when Jen and Matthew Modine have to get out of the cave, that's fucking scary and heartbreaking. But there sure, were, that was there good. were ways to do that w- 
with cutting, I think, without with cutting out a whole bunch of the cheesy, we're now in M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Oh. Yeah, I kind of. Yeah, I, I don't, and I don't. You know, I'm I'm kind of joking around. I didn't hate the movie. I, I thought it was interesting. No, neither. I just didn't like, and and especially now having reviewed all of the other wrong turn movies, I just thought it went in a in a mistaken direction. I would be surprised if there's a sequel to this reboot. Probably just try something else. You know, once again, go back to the, well, you know, the regular. You, did you not think turns. that of all the ones that came after it, that this was the best? Well. I would tell you the best one. Here's here's my ranking. I can do it real quick. Uh, the first one, the second one, um, number six, then probably this one, then um, four, then five, <laughs> then three. All right, that's see, that's the see, ranking. So it is know, like the top four, sure. You guys but know these are the that worst I have movies a, I've ever seen. I hated the '90s, and then when 2000s came. Like we got some real serious horror in the 2000s. So when a movie comes along with you know, Elijah Dushku. Dushku. <laughs> Is that spelled like D O U C H E C O U P? No. Dushku. I wish we could stop saying Dushku as much as right. I wished we could stop saying squeal like a pig in the last segment. Can we just but anyway, we get it? <laughs> anyway, um, I was not like, I was not having wrong turn one when it came out sure i was not having I, it me neither there's like neither. good stuff coming out yeah i yeah. wasn't interested in this uh yeah teen Same. whatever i'm with you on that yeah yeah and so i didn't really take the first one that seriously and as far as remakes go i think this is a great remake thank you it, yes to me I, uh i hold it up there with uh the remake of the hills have eyes which i'll defend to the end of the earth and it's I'm better the, than the original yeah i'm with you there and I think this is better than the original. And I also think that Fiona Apple's version of Across the Universe is better than uh, the Beatles. I do version. too, actually. I would agree yeah. with you on oh, that. Oh wow! Yeah. I, I wow. think it's nice I, that we're I, back. I, here's the problem that I, th I think Trent will agree with. This should not have been marketed as a remake. It should reboot. not have been yeah, called the Wrong Foundation. Turn. It's not a remake. It's it should a reboot. Be, should not have even been called Wrong Turn. No, should not. But I, I did. You know, the most interesting thing. In, in all of the wrong turn stuff, this movie and all the other ones that I had not seen that I, you know, really delved in and did my research for, because once you see a couple, it's like, might as well see them all. Um, the one thing that I didn't really realize is how direct deliverance the whole series is. Like, it's to the point in, in the first wrong turn, they mentioned deliverance by name, one of the characters. In the second or third one, they mentioned the banjo guy. And in this one, they have that exact same, like I said, that same conversation. I didn't really realize like how much the whole Wrong Turn franchise was deliverance in a genre horror context in a B movie. This is a B movie. I think we well, can all also agree on Texas that. Chainsaw Massacre. If you're really going to talk about it, I mean, sure. this was, lots uh, of stuff you mentioned Lake earlier. Yeah, it, you like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a lower budget version, even though yes. it's grimier, and like I like it way better. But yeah. it's a low-budget version of Deliverance. Right down to the name, Kevin, you mentioned one of the key lines in Deliverance is when the mountain man says, you, you done taken a wrong, wrong turn, turn, right? <laughs> there it was. That's, yeah. you know. Why, why call this that? Especially as politicized. And yes, it has the same classist things as the original wrong turn. like Because it's a title property that someone owns. And it has made money in the past, and you recognize someone the name, was going to so... lose rights. Like, like, yeah, maybe, yeah, right. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we know those games, but 
I think it would have worked a lot better for me. I didn't dislike this movie. I'm literally just, honestly, I, I feel very passionate about how it could have been better. And how it, it could have been way worse. It could have. It could have been, been way worse. Yeah. The gore was great. The kills were fantastic. The log scene is legendary. So okay, the log scene. You okay. didn't like it. Run to the side. How, I know you're about to I say. Saw you're you in, scoffing when I was. You're in a, the woods. You're surrounded by trees. How could a log roll that far, that fast? It's all trees. They're not in a field. It didn't even make any sense. They they couldn't even show it. How could a log? roll down through all the trees and it, it didn't make sense i mean how can a the serum trees bring back it? uh guy's wife yeah but like, no, this, it, is just, to, no, this, this is just no this is just basic physics you can't go there you can't this is go just there basic this physics. is a, this movie is trying to be very serious the log could not roll real. down through all those trees and hit them that's not possible no there was a clearing i mean there's clearings there, there was, was I mean, I think I hike a little more than you do. It's a small, it's a red herring. I mean, it doesn't matter, but it's just one of the things like they didn't care at all about the first friend that died, the guy who got killed by the log. Within five minutes, uh, the other guy's like, hey guys, just take it easy. He just saw your friend's head get crushed. Uh, what? They didn't well, care so at to all. Go, to, to get into the thinness of the characters. Very thin. So what I was talking about is the bar scene, and they try to give you the backstory of each of these college kids at the bar and they try to give you the backstory as they're being confronted by hillbillies and they're showing their like contempt for the hillbillies so you have jen who's our final girl who by the way is a great final girl great character in this movie then you have what mila adam gary luis it doesn't really matter. Who knows? I don't remember. But all the they names. literally like wow. the hillbillies Very are like you're judging us and stuff, and they're like, "Well, she's a nurse, and he started an app upstart." Yeah, yeah. And so they like, own two restaurants in Brooklyn. Yeah, they have two bistros in like <laughs> bistros. Yeah, it's so thin. <laughs> like you're that literally is all they give you to care about these people before the log scene. Oh, and then yeah. post log scene, it's like. uh we w- guys, we slept in a graveyard tonight, and I, then it's like I, a yeah. scene or two about- with like Mila and Adam showing that Adam is a total dick. It's like one scene where she's like, "You left me, don't leave me again." And what does he do? Like two minutes later, I mean, she's impaled with five spikes. Yeah, I, I love that. Well, but he right. was running ahead of her, so I will, I will uh, call you on that. Okay, sure. I, I don't. Know, I liked it. I liked it when the when she was like, "Help me!" to the guy who just rolls up after. And he did help her. He did help her. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, w- I will oh. say where I did like where he it got interesting. <laughs> I thought it had some some cojones when um, the final girl simply offers her boyfriend and her body to the clan. She They've now given up and she's like, well, my boyfriend can do work for you. He is a strong guy. He's done community organizing. He can help out your clan and do everything you, you need, need to sustainable do. sustainable energy. Yeah, and, and all that. And, and then they're like, well, what will you do? And she literally says, my womb. <laughs> and she just <laughs> gives yeah. her body. She said, I'll just give you me. Mm. Uh, does somebody need a wife in your tribe? And then, of course, like the leader is like, yeah, I need a wife. And he's like, uh, you know, much older than her. And then they show the consummation scenes and stuff. It's kind of kinky. 
actually at a certain point, because this guy is the same age as her father, who's out looking for her. Meanwhile, she's the wife of this guy now, who is the same age. And then that all comes together at the end of the movie. There's a confrontation between the old, two, old guy, the two dads. Old <laughs> the old, the guy who's as old as her dad shows up to take uh, his daughter back, and uh, ah, it gets like kind of gross, but kind of hot in a way. Um, that whole end oh, was just like no. so no. bizarre. There's no sexy time. <laughs> you call? I'm sorry. If that ever happened to me, I would destroy Caitlin's dad. You called it hot? Did you say that was hot? I just thought it kind of was playing with all these like different elements, like the boyfriend, and he's giving her up, and now the dad's giving this all this like very like Great. sexual triangle awesome. thing with her boyfriend and her dad and the old leader of you the You guys, cult. if you listen closely at it's home, there. you'll be able to tell that Trent and Kevin actually really like this movie. I thought there were some good things. I am not saying I hate this, but I, I thought that I that was that. one interesting thing was that triangle interplay. I mean, it's just there. I'm just commenting on what happens. The boyfriend, the dad, and they could be dad. And then that all culminates at the end. And, and your auntie and your brother. You have to watch this through the credits grandpa. because the credits roll in this and it's not over and a very important scene happens after the Great. credits start rolling. So yeah. Trent, the end credits. Why did it happen twice? Did anybody notice? Did, so, but over over the end credits, uh, there is somebody singing "This Land Is Your Land." Yeah, Ruby Modine. That's uh, Matthew Modine's daughter. She's an actress, model, liked, and singer. Mm. Happy Death Day. Right. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. saw her. At Happy you, Death you, Day. Yeah, yes. you were a big fan. I thought I was. Yeah, I'm a big dude. Fan. I love that movie. Threat. We should totally talk about that movie in the podcast. Didn't we? <laughs> yes, we did. I was just <laughs> trolling myself. Cat, are you all right? What's going on over there? I'm pissed. I'll what? tell you why. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Um, that wasn't a super cool. Um, I don't know. She was very, you know, it was that thing where she's trying to, you know, give herself to the dude or whatever. But like, obviously, it was a a thing for survival, and the fact that you're just like, oh, it's fine. Like, I don't know. I'm just pissed. I mean, I didn't write the movie. I didn't say I you wrote the movie. So I'm not saying you did. That? You're just like, just oh, to break it was the fine. boundaries. Like I would. That's where I would go to first. I would be like, oh, physical labor? Nah, no thanks. You want my? You body. can have my butthole. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, she, you want me enslave me? Yeah. She didn't even offer to help build a well or anything. No, she I'm just not went either. Right I'm to not Dave either. at the top of his list has squeal like a pig. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's deplorable. That's one of the things I, you know. Oh my god! Uh, there's a lot to talk about nice. with this movie. With uh, can we get into the ties to Haunt? Because you have Damien yes, Maffey, where we finally get to see his face, his real face. Great job! I thought his his one scene where he speaks in the language that they have, I thought that was the most believable scene in the whole thing. Cheney Morrow, who played Hobbs uh, in this, was the ghost in Haunt, which is like my favorite character, the guy that keeps leading them around. Like, you guys are okay. You guys are okay. And he's the one like where he finally takes it. Like you said, you wanted to see my face, uh, and I love right, right. uh, when when Hobbs gets it when Jen and Matthew Modine are trying to get away, and you think that Hobbs is about to have some re- a, a rapey moment with Jen, and she's just like, "I'm gonna fucking stab you a thousand times." <laughs> um, but a ton of the makeup and effects people from Haunt worked on this movie, which I thought Trent, you call it a B movie. I would not say it's a B movie. It oh, looks it's great by it's definition. Great. A B movie. No, I would disagree with you on that. <laughs> oh, come on. Um, it, it showed in theaters one night. 
in the nation because of uh, most COVID. of the movies you watch don't even show. Yeah, because theaters. of COVID, True. not because not because it's a B I movie. Actually, I never it never it's occurred to me that it was a uh, like low budget movie. Well, I mean, I well, we watch a lot of B expensive. movies. This is one. No, it's I mean, not. Toxic a Avenger is a B movie. So. Basket you case is a B movie. You can't compare this to okay. either of those. Yeah, yeah, stop. Wow. But a lot of the a lot of the makeup department. Uh, is the Jody first Byrne, one a B movie? Jody Byrne led the makeup department. Yeah. Kyle Roberts led special effects. They both worked on Haunt. Um, Jody Byrne actually worked on a ton of stuff like Strangers Two that we talked about, Killing of a Sacred Deer, Bone Tomahawk. Uh, so a lot of movies that that we've already talked about. Um, so I love seeing Haunt, which is an independent production, uh, get so many people get pulled into something like this. And I do I don't dislike this movie. I'm just saying it it, it threw too much in. But I do love all the players involved. I thought for the most part it was well acted. It was definitely well directed. Not a huge fan of the cinematography. I thought it was a little music video for me. Um, no opening kill. That was a big mistake. In the wrong turn movies, you're supposed to have a cold open kill. So the first mm-hmm. thing you see is a kill, and then you get the title cards, oh, and you might find out they didn't do that in this. I was like, why? why that's a you trope. This one, I feel like this one's less like campy than the other ones. Mm-hmm. The other it ones is. are, are it's very serious. It's too serious. It flipped too serious. Yeah. yeah. It, w- it went from classic horror movie format to let's talk about culture war, politics. Let's I talk like about yes. racial like tension. That. Let's talk about yeah, it's, stereotyping. It's like Black, it's like Black Christmas. In a in cheese, that way. But yeah, but yeah, and it does it in that ham handed, cheesy way that Black Christmas does. It hits you over the head. It's like, what is this? What are you trying to do? Is right. this a movie oh, or Black is Christmas twenty nineteen? Yeah, yes. the remake. It does it yeah. we were saying how it's a little yeah. like That's a good point. tries yeah. to be socially conscious, but I thought this did a little bit better job than that. And like when I recommend like a horror movie to people who don't really watch horror movies and they just want to watch something scary, like this is a good regular horror movie. It's a good like I would say big budget, but a little bit long. Do you want to talk about um, Eliza Dushku a little bit? Nope. Cat. Well, she's not in any of the movies. Where, I miss where... her. I so wish we you guys know her. the character in this movie, Edith, from the Foundation. Yes. Yeah. She's the one like selling jewelry in town. Yeah, yeah. And girl. she has. That's when we meet Ruthie. Which, by the way, Ruthie gave me like super newt vibes from Aliens. Yes, for sure. Right. So yep. Edith is actually played by the actress Daisy Head. Mm-hmm. Her father is Anthony Head, who played Giles in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show. <gasps> which obviously Why are we even here? Eliza Dushku's um big breakout role. That that's the star if we say Dushku one more time. Can <laughs> we just be clear? That's the star of the first wrong turn movie, which is a good B movie, a good slasher. I wouldn't call that a B movie either. No, it's not a B movie. Okay, you guys have a much different definition of B movie than me. When I say B movie, I mean low budget, made for video, made for seven sequels that go straight to video. Like, that's what a B movie is. You guys can call it something else. But in, in my opinion, so anyway, I just wanted to say, we keep saying Dushku over and over. That's the star of the very first wrong turn. And she's okay. great in it. Thank you, Trent. Good call out. We hadn't, we'd just been throwing that around. Yeah, just keep saying Dushku over and over. Yep. Um, but also, we can tie this, uh, we, we talked about Harbingers. We talk about that a lot. We talked about it in Deliverance. Uh, this one has two. So I would say the first Harbinger is the woman that owns the inn who does end up trying to help Matthew Modine go find Jen. The second one would be a man that Matthew Modine meets at the bar who is an actor named Tim DeZarn who's playing a character in this one as Nate Rhodes. 
he's the fucking harbinger from Cabin in the Woods. So he's the guy that they go get gas from. He calls back and says, you know, the eagle has landed. It's my favorite scene in the movie. He's calling He's calling the, you know, the, I guess you would call it the operation from Cabin in the Woods. And they're laughing at him and everything. But he's great in this. Um, but also not to go back to being negative up about the movie. He's also one of the problems I have with the end of the movie where he's like super creepy and trying to help Matthew Modine as like a harbinger. And then he beats the shit out of him and then suddenly shows up at the end with a bunch of his, his hillbilly buddies. The jaundice dude. She, she pointed out the yellow in his eyes and he went to the doctor and had it checked out and she saved his life. Two sentence throwaway. Again, something else that doesn't that was have so, that enough was so backstory. Lame, like, that was so lame. Yeah, oh, was by lame. the way, I went to the doctor. You I, were right. You City were right. Slicker. Liver you diagnosed problems. my liver problems at the bar. <laughs> what? But she on. saved him. But I'm afraid that people are going to listen and not go see this movie. See it. I think, I think it's totally worth a watch. I, I think, actually, this debate amongst the four of us, who very rarely are at odds like this, it means you should go watch this, because it is... It, so here's what it accomplished. I don't think it's ever been me and Kat versus you and it, Trent. It has before, probably. It has. Really? This is episode, like, 87. It's happened. Oh, good for us. Yeah. If, any, if anything, it's either going to prove that this movie threw too much in and gave us too much to talk about, with no definitive like opinion or it was fine. Well, it's also about $6 right now. So <laughs> I have to keep some integrity on the show. It's been a long time since I've panned anything and I can't just come in here every week and recommend every single movie. There has to be some kind of line $6 for this. I would say watch something else. The reason why you don't like it is because you don't understand it. I don't you don't get understand it. the highbrow. I don't like it because you guys I don't are get fucking it. hillbillies. Yes. Mm. you guys are We're backwoods city folk. hillbillies, and yeah. me and Cat are sophisticated. 